1: Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax Get your mind blown away Ain't no skipping this track Have you paid more attention? No listening gap Get everything I ever wanted
0: No giving it back Yeah, back Ooh. <coughs> <coughs> oh, I choked on my own semen there Welcome to the Apron Buck Podcast, everybody How's everybody doing today? ready for some hogs you ready for an Arkansas hog pen sorry I sometimes I yell I don't know how to I'm talking to myself I feel like I gotta yell sometimes Um, is that psychotic probably not but that fits the bill for this show because there's a lot of psychotic ridiculous stuff on this show in your house 5 presented to you of course by the World Wrestling Federation, Uh, this this uh, this chapter, this event in your house five titled. I never remember if it's winter's beatings, season's beatings, beatings me off, give it let me give this a little Google ski here. Seasons beatings, seasons beatings, everybody. What a show we have for you today, man, we have. Okay, it's a bad show. It's it's okay. It's 1995 WWF. You know, you know what you're getting into. But man, oh man, are we revving up for some uh, for some goodness here, relatively shortly. And I mean, you look at this show. You look at the card. This kind of a lot of things on this show is either the end of certain things or the beginnings. For example, we got King Mabel taking on Undertaker in a casket match. Finally. Finally tying up this storyline and pretty much sending Mabel on his way. It's like when Spirit Squad got thrown into that box and they got sent to OVW. It's kind of the same thing, all you know, except Mabel pretty much just gets sent to um. Well, I guess he comes back eventually. Maybe he gets sent back to de- developmental. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Mabel's pretty much out. Razor and Diesel are like they're there, but like, I mean, Diesel's entering something pretty significant, but it's pretty much the last thing it's going to be involved in in this run in the WWF, and Razor is uh, embroiled in a uh, a rendezvous with Goldust. A uh, a love affair of sorts gets underway on this show, and that'll be... <laughs> it's all downhill from, from there for Razor, I feel like. Um, but on the other side of the coin, you might got some guys on their way out. But she also got Hunter Hearst Helmsley <laughs> taking on Henry O. Godwin in an Arkansas hog pen match, which sounds ridiculous. But for whatever reason, I loved it. Um, it really gives tri- it gives Triple H a one on one match on pay-per-view that has some significance. Um, and we all know where he goes from there. So it's kind of the beginnings of that in a way um jeff jarrett's back i know you guys were hankering you're like hardest part of the ring you have an amazing podcast but i really wish i mean you talk about jeff jarrett a a lot in your tna podcast shut the fuck up it's my water app i have an app to tell me to drink water because i'm an asshole um but yeah so jeff jarrett's back now uh, we get to talk about him in tna and wwf uh, he's facing Ahmed Johnson, which what could go wrong there? And uh, Buddy Landell's here. What a ridiculous show this is. I was looking at my notes before I hit record here. I was like, wow, what what, what did I watch? <laughs> it's just the most ridiculous shit. Might as well just get right into it, man. But first. We got to give a shout out to my guest, Ryan, from the Front Face Lock podcast. You can find them wherever you you listen to podcasts and on youtube as well go give them a subscribe go follow them go rate review star jerk off their pods do all of that because that's how you support podcasters all of their info in the in the description below their link tree will take you wherever you want to go follow them on twitter at front facelock really entertaining podcasts these guys got they talk a little wrestling they talk uh, some they do some movie reviews a lot of uh terrible movies which i'm a big fan of yeah just a fun group of guys over there ryan and vinny they do good work over there so I go check them out and check me out hey look at this shirt huh huh look at it if you're listening to an audio i'm wearing uh nothing so go watch the youtube uh <laughs> go buy a shirt if you want it's soft it hugs your skin go rate the podcast review the podcast YouTube, if you're watching it on YouTube, give it a like, give it a subscribe, leave a comment. Um, what? What is your dream hog pen match? Who would you like to see wrestle in pig feces and mud? If you like this kind of episode as well, if you like new generation. Hey, if you just like mid 90s, you like you want to you want to relive the, the, the rumblings of the Monday Night Wars. Well, why don't you go? to apronbump.com, go to the Episodes tab at the top, and you could select Wrestling Wars of the 90s, and that will bring you to everything mid-90s related to WWF, WCW, ECW, all chronologically covered by your boy, the hardest part of the ring. Um, and it's been a good time, man. 1995, we're nearing the end of 1995. This is the last WWF show, uh, recently covered the last ECW show, Holiday Hell. And uh, here in a few weeks, we'll be covering Starcade 1995. So about to tie a bow on the year that is 1995 for pro wrestling. And I said this in my (laughs) ECW episode. (laughs) Seems like everything's happened, but also nothing has happened. But like I said, we're about to, uh, we're on the on-ramp to uh, some good shit, pal. So, uh, I mean, Ahmed Johnson is here. You know what I mean? Those delicious thighs of his and... You know, what else do you want in wrestling? But speaking of delicious thighs, let's get to Ryan. WWF in your house. Five seasons beatings. 1990. Did I say 1995? I'm very sleepy. With myself and Ryan from the Front Face Lock Podcast. But yeah, man. So, you said you got, you said you loved In Your House five, uh, was, well, fuck, what was, what fuck was this called? Winter's Beatings or something? Uh, Seasons Beatings. Seasons Beatings. Okay. Yeah. You said you loved it, right? It's my favorite pay per view of all time. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a, a Henry O. Godwin mark, notoriously. So, I figured. I'm not even a Henry O. Godwin mark. I'm a Buddy
1: Landell mark, and they brought him, <laughs> him out. <laughs> you mean Buddy Rydell? Riclair. Oh, they, they were just like, you know, oh, it's going to be Ric Flair. And then the Ric Flair of WWE original music hits. And here comes <laughs> Buddy Landale just walking. He always did look like Flair in WCW.
0: But uh-huh. they really just pushed it over the top here. So, I mean, we'll talk more about it when we get to that part of the show. But is he like, is it supposed to be a parody? Or is he just happened to be like a guy that resembles Ric Flair?
1: In WCW, in one of the... um. What the hell, the the spin the wheel, not the spin the wheel, make the deal, the, uh, what the hell were they called where they used to match up the, the, the heels and the faces in like the, the tag team match. Wild card? Mm-hmm. It was a battle bowl. Battle bowl. Battle bowl. In, of course. In battle bowl. We covered one of them. And I remember looking at going, why is Ric Flair, you know, doing X, Y, and Z? And it was like, oh wait, no, that's not Ric Flair. That's Buddy Landell. So he always <laughs> kind of resembled him, but I think, cause this was 93, or no, 95. So mm-hmm. it was only like a year and a half roughly since Flair had left to go back to WCW. So I think they were just mocking Flair a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's why I didn't know if they, if this is like a jab at Flair and WCW or if they're just bringing a guy that happened to be doing... Because Brick Flair ultimately ripped off Buddy Rogers. So I don't know. Maybe this is just a, the next evolution of that, could, maybe. Could have been a mix of both. Don't know. But I'm, uh, I'm good with not seeing buddy landell ever again but we got uh we got a lot of goodness to talk about before that but i guess first of all in your house five i guess uh were you watching live during this era i was yeah because you were uh would you say like new generation is like when you grew up in wrestling
1: no i grew up uh i'm 41 so i grew up in the golden era
0: jesus all
1: right yeah so the golden <laughs> era shit that was this, why is this light so bright that's better um the golden era is my shit but Uh the new generation stuff i you know obviously you get the legends coming out of there Hart, harshawn michaels undertaker guys like that so i mean this is kind of when i really was like okay now i have to know what i'm doing it's not just a bunch of half naked men wrestling right it's it's this is actually storyline and there's stuff more involved Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah they're definitely um it's just interesting to watch it like In real time, because like towards the end of 95, you kind of see semblances of the Attitude Era a little bit. And we see a little bit of that in the show, but they they still got a way to go. But uh, yeah, and that's kind of shown in this first match. So the show opens up. First of all, we're in Hershey, Pennsylvania. You ever go to Hershey Park, Ryan? When I
1: was a kid, I went there once. I remember there was a lot of people dressed like chocolate bars.
0: Yeah, that's kind of their thing. They're kind of known for chocolate. I don't know if you heard of it. Um, But uh, yeah, so the show opens up. And uh, it's a tag team match. It's Marty Jannetty and Razor Ramon versus Sid and the one, two, three kid. So these so Sid and kid representing the million dollar corporation. They're out there with Ted DiBiase. Uh, I'll be honest. There's not a lot to this match. I feel like the majority of the story here is gold dust. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, because I mean, I, I know they showed the flashback montage about how, you know, Kid screwed over Razor, and then mm-hmm. it was that Survivor Series match where he screwed actually he screwed over Gennetti, and then he screwed up a Razor, and then he got hooked up with Sid. And I'm glad you said Sid and Kid because I heard them say that, and I was just like, Ugh.
0: oh god, Sid and Kid,
1: <laughs> the god, god, to Sid raise and head. Kid. Uh, but yeah, that was the first debut of Gold Dust. That was when they fir- he first made an appearance, and he had the little couch and the usher sitting next to him. Mm-hmm.
0: It was um, it was something. I mean, it was very much. Like, I don't think Dustin Rhodes gets the credit for Gold Dust because it's it seems like such a departure from his real uh, personality. I feel like, I mean, it was weird. It was supposed to be weird, but I mean, I feel like the Gold Dust character here it was kind of over the top, but I kind of <laughs> it was kind of entertaining, like him talking about Razor Ramon. And, uh, like, he loves Razor's muscular, hairy chest. It's like, oh, this is good shit. I don't know. What did you think about this whole deal with him on the couch flirting with Razor Ramon?
1: I agree with you 100% about the Goldust character. I know me and Vinny have made fun of Dustin Rhodes continuously over the last couple months um, and years. But Mm -hmm. I always said he took a shitty character. Goldust is really a a shitty character. But he made it work for himself for, like, 25 years. Yeah. For that, to his credit, I mean, in the mid-'90s or late-'90s when he started doing, like, the Baby Dust and Manson Dust and all that, that was kind of weird. <laughs> right. But he definitely took a – he was the most interesting part of this because you you didn't know where it was going to go. Oh, that's the nat- natural Dustin Rhodes. That's Dusty's kid. How is this going to – why is he in all this makeup? And then he, he comes out just in the gold, and he's saying all that stuff about Janetti and Razor Ramon, and it's like, oh, this is 95. This is still a little taboo. Yeah, and he took it and he made it work, and he just it evolved and evolved and evolved, and it just became legendary.
0: Yeah, for sure. And this is kind of what I was referencing when that when I said they're like dipping their toes into attitude era kind of stuff, because like like you said, '95, this stuff's not the type of stuff you see on TV a lot, especially in wrestling. And it's like it's so taboo. It's like getting referenced on WCW and ECW, and it's like all over the, the whatever internet was there in 1995. It was making waves. So, um, and like you said, he carried this character for years and years, and to this day, he's still known for those characters, so, um, yeah, really entertaining stuff here, but in, in, in the ring, there's just a whole lot of nothing, what are your thoughts on Sid? <sighs> he fucking sucks, if any other answer, I will not accept.
1: <laughs> I go, I was gonna, pref- I wasn't gonna go right into fucking sucks, cause he does fucking suck, but he had so much potential He's yeah. a big guy. Uh, Ho- McMahon wanted to make him the Hogan character at Royal Rumble 92. And, you know, and he just wanted to push him to the moon. And it just, it just, he sucked.
0: He has the he just, look, man. He, he has the look. He just has no uh, stake with the sizzle, I guess. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like where, if he's just like, was having a bad night. It felt like he wasn't selling anything. Like, cause the match go- goes on. It's whatever. I mean, you know, when, when Marty Jannetty and 123 Kid are in there going at it, it's kind of entertaining, but otherwise it's like whatever. It's like a, it's almost a
1: 15-minute match. And you're that's right, it's so Sid long. Just, yeah, it's just like what am I doing in this ring with these three guys? Why am I I was fighting Hogan in the main event at WrestleMania only mm. like 3 years ago, 2 years ago. Like what am I doing here?
0: Do you think that's what it is? Do you think he thinks he deserves better than being in a an opening match with Marty Jannetty?
1: Um I've listened to a couple of his shoot interviews. I'm going to say yes. I think he just thinks he deserved better.
0: <laughs> I guess. I mean, because, like, the finish comes. Like, Razor's sitting on the top rope. Sid, like, kind of charges at him. Razor kicks him in the face, and Sid just does. <laughs> just slowly turns around. Doesn't even try to sell anything. Just takes the bulldog, and that gets the win. So uh, Razor and Marty Jannetty win. Uh, Razor tries to give one, two, three kid, the Razor's edge after the fact, but Sid saves them and they scurry off. But uh, yeah, and Razor's not too long for this world either. I mean, he'll be in WCW in a few months and the whole thing with Goldust. I don't think they really have a feud, do they? Razor and Goldust?
1: Not really. I know there was some in-ring stuff and like some promos cut back and forth, but I don't really think, I think they had a match or two, but I don't think they ever actually built it to the potential it could have been. Because you got to remember, like uh, Scott was gone a, a year later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not even, um, but yeah, I've, I've heard stories that razor wasn't comfortable with the <laughs> the homosexual undertones of the storyline, which I don't mean, know. Whatever, man. I guess if you, you're not into it, you're not into it, but, um, I feel like they could have made something work, but I, I guess I haven't really seen it. So who knows? But, um, yeah, and then Marty Ginetti's just fucking around. It feels like Marty Ginetti just pops up in random places when I watch mid nineties wrestling. <laughs> uh, but I thought I thought Marty was good here, man. I thought he was almost like the star of this match.
1: Well, I don't think he was fully decked out on cocaine yet. Um, I think he was just <laughs> still dabbling. And uh, Michaels wasn't there to, you know,
0: overshadow him. So
1: I think he yeah. might have been like, "Oh, this is my time to shine. Maybe they're finally gonna notice me, and I could be like Shawn Michaels now."
0: Yeah, how'd that work out for him? <laughs> <laughs> because he, he tried his darndest, I suppose. Uh, but man, after that, the hits just keep on coming. We got, uh, well, first of all, the ring ring announcer announces Buddy Rydell to the ring, which is not his name, first of all. Um, it's also not that time in the show, so it was <laughs> a complete botch <punch laughs> on his part. Uh, but you know, Vince McMahon on commentary is like, oh, what in the world's going on here? This, this ring announcer has no idea what he's doing. Uh, and King interrupts him, Jerry Lawler, and he gets in the ring with a mic. And he's like, uh, you idiots are expecting Santa. Well, I got something better. Jeff Jarrett. And then we got Double J coming out here who had left the WWF uh, like four or five months before this at In Your House 2. And this is, that was when, like, w- With My Baby Tonight it was really hot and he had the match of Shawn Michaels. Like, that was, like, the height of his momentum. And he just split. Only to come back a few months later. So, uh, do you remember like all that going down, Jarrett leaving?
1: You know, I think the kayfabe story was that he was touring to sell, celib- uh-huh. you know, to uh, in support of with my baby tonight. Um, I don't know the actual story of why he left. I'm going to assume it was just because Jarrett just does that. He just comes back to WWE, then he leaves, and he goes to WCW, then he leaves. So, uh-huh.
0: I think the gist of it, and I could be wrong here, just from what I've like read and heard over the years, is that he, he thought because like the story was leading to him and Roady splitting, and I guess Jarrett thought him and Roady as a pair had more juice to it, and they thought he thought like the breakup was too soon, so there's was like creative differences, I guess, so he just stormed out basically, but um, I guess he got over it, you know, <laughs> he got off tour, I suppose, yeah. with my baby tonight tour, um. But King's in there to present Jarrett a gold CD. I guess uh, Jarrett's album has sold uh, what was it, five hundred thousand copies or something like that. Uh, did you Did you purchase that one? That that I did that not. Disc?
1: I did not purchase. I still haven't downloaded, it, and I have like over a hundred
0: old school theme <laughs> songs
1: on my Spotify, but I still have not put that one on there.
0: Is it a real album?
1: I know it's a real song because uh, there was the whole controversy right. later on where the Road dog was the actual one singing it. But mm-hmm. as far as the album, I'm going to say it probably is. I mean, Elias has an album. Honky Tonk Man had an album, so I'm sure they
0: probably released something. Chris Jericho has albums. I mean, John Cena has an album. They'll just give anybody an album. So yeah, get a movie and an album when you sign up. Exactly. <laughs> um, so Jarrett's back, and he's he announces he's the first entrant in the Royal Rumble. So that's a thing. Uh and then out comes old Dean Douglas for his match with Ahmed Johnson. Uh but unfortunately Dean Douglas has, his he says his back is only at 65%. Yeah, I mean he's a teacher so he can calculate that stuff, I guess. Man, Dean Douglas and WWF as a uh, did you I guess did you watch ECW at all growing up? I did. I I used to, where are you from? Where where are you? Virginia. North of Virginia.
1: So, you know, I'm in Jersey and we have the MSG network, Madison square garden network. And when I was a kid, it was on at four o'clock in the morning on MSG network. Nice. And I would literally either try to stay up or I would set my VCR for, for four Mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning. And I would watch it. And I remember seeing when Shane Douglas came over there, and I was like, that's Dean Douglas. What is he doing in this (laughs) weird promotion at four o'clock in the morning?
0: Right. Oh, so you do Shane Douglas after Dean Douglas. So Dean Douglas was your introdu- introduction to him. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because I've, I've seen a little bit of Shane and in, in ECW, he's um, he's fine. I feel like ECW might be a better fit for him. Oh, actually, you know, I don't even know. I feel like his charisma, I would have guessed would have applied better in WWF, but it just seemed to not really lead to anything for whatever reason. Oh no, what? what that you- good. Yeah, is, is that really I guess that is all it is. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, he's 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 a good promo. Dean Doug, Shane Douglas, but in the ring, he's whatever. He's there. But um, I guess, you know, with with Sean on the rise and Bret Hart's and your diesels, I guess he just got lost in the shuffle. But um, he had a scheduled match with Ahmed Johnson here. But uh, like I said, he's injured, so he has to call on his graduate student to take his place. Buddy Landell so uh, the Ric Flair cosplayer comes out literally with his music like to the T, the robe the tights everything the hair uh, but the match is like I don't know 45 seconds Ahmed Johnson just shits on him with a spine buster the Pearl River plunge and gets the win so uh, yeah just <laughs> Ahmed Johnson coming out here and shitting all over Ric Flair what would you were you were you an Ahmed Johnson guy I guess.
1: I loved Ahmed Johnson when he first debuted because it was like, holy shit, look at the size of this guy. This guy's going to be a monster. He's, you know, he's just got that Vince McMahon look. Even as a kid, you knew, like, you know, there's so many yeah. big guys. He's going to be a star. And then all of a sudden, he's in WCW as the new Harlem Heat with Stevie Ray, and he's all fat. And it's just like, oh, that's, that's what happened to him?
0: <laughs> I didn't know that, actually. That's kind of hilarious. It was only like
1: a month or two. I forget what his name was, too, because it was something... Like it was supposed to be like Booker T, but it was it was something else similar to Booker T, and it, they were the new Harlem mm. Heat. It
0: was it was a joke. Oh, so they didn't just call him Booker T and hope nobody would notice?
1: <laughs> no, because yeah, because Booker T at that time was GI Bro, so they probably could have done that.
0: Mm. And WCW fans wouldn't have noticed at that point. Yeah, well, them Georgia folk—they don't really know the difference sometimes. Uh, but so yeah, so Ahmed Johnson gets the win here. He's still Ahmed Johnson's still pretty new. I think this is his first or it's his second pay-per-view match. And uh Jerry Lawler decides to interview him after the match. And by the way, Jarrett's on commentary for this whole thing. Jarrett says he's not impressed. And it's like, what else do you need, man? He just beat this guy in forty seconds. Like, how <laughs> what else do you need to be impressed? Uh, but King interviews Ahmed and he's like, uh, yeah, I heard I heard your coach had to read your letter to you. Because he lettered in college and He's a jock, so he's stupid. Uh, and I guess I guess Jerry Lawler and Ahmed are going to have a match, so they're kind of building up to that. But uh, Ahmed Johnson also calls Jarrett an achy, breaky heart wannabe. He calls him a fake urban cowboy. Uh, and this causes Jarrett to hit Ahmed in the back of the head with this CD plaque that he got from King earlier. Breaks it right over his head. King holds up a chair and... Jarrett throws Ahmed headfirst into it, and then throws him into the stairs. But at some point, Ahmed just says, "I don't feel like selling anymore," so he just attacks Jarrett. And they had this really awkward, like, brawl scuffle to the back, and it was weird. The crowd didn't seem to know what to think of it. I don't know. What'd you think of that whole interaction there at the end? I,
1: you know, growing up watching the Attitude Era, you, you know, oh my God, Jerry Lawler so funny. Oh puppies, this, that, yeah. Jerry Lawler was an awful, awful interviewer, an awful commentator. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the, the, they're trying a feud, I guess, Ahmed Johnson's their biggest rising star, and they're bringing Jeff Jarrett back, so they want to put those two together, because obviously, you know, Jared, or give the, the Ahmed the rub to get him a little bit, you know, up to the, the ladder a little bit. Uh-huh. But you're right, he kind of just, it's like, what the fuck am I doing? They stopped selling and then they had that awkward they used to do in the 90s all the time scuffle back down the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, what call it, the ramp back to the back. And then, all, you know, they get through the gorilla and they're like, all right, we're good. And it's like they never they didn't. That was back when they didn't go in the back with the camera. So you didn't see what happened back there. They just uh-huh. scuffled all the way down the walkway till they got into the back. And it was just like, oh, we're doing this again. And I don't think anything came from that either.
0: Yeah. And like the whole th- also like Jarrett's on commentary. He is not impressed with Ahmed. King like doesn't seem intimidated by Ahmed at all. Like it seems like everybody's out to just like <laughs> like oh who gives a fuck about this guy? Like what Ahmed's you would think he, they're trying to portray him as this monster. He just destroyed Ric Flair in 40 seconds. You'd think they'd be scared, but I don't know. I think this whole thing just kind of fell flat to me, but it is what it is, I guess. Um poor Ezekiel Jackson. I mean uh Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> um but man, we got we got we got our five star the the, the highlight of this pay per view here next the Arkansas hog pen match between Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Henry O Godwin. Man, this is uh, and and if anybody's not familiar with an Arkansas hog pen match, you lose by getting thrown into the hog pen. And uh, by the way, there is a hog pen set up like a it's pretty fucking huge. It's like pigs and shit and come in there like I, it's just full of like the farm shit. Like, I don't know. I the first thing I thought is, like, how annoyed would you be if you bought a ticket and you were right, right next <laughs> to that? <laughs> it's There's a whole fucking show of stupid <laughs> ass pigs. Um, God damn. But, oh, and of course, the special guest referee is Hillbilly Jim, who. It's probably up your alley, right? That's probably, you know, Hillbilly Jim, Haystacks, Calhoun, those were your guys as a, as a child, right?
1: Well, Haystacks, Calhoun is an idol of mine. Um, yeah, and, that's you know,
0: obviously.
1: And, you know, Hillbilly Jim is just a close second because he was coming up the ranks when I was in my formative years. Mm. Um, but he's, I mean, he never did anything. Hillbilly Jim was just <laughs> always there for yeah. no reason. I even have like, back in the day, they had the old school, like, you know, the the action figures and like the 90s, they had the ones where you can like bend their arm back and it would flip forward. And now they have the ones that are all movable, but they used to have the big rubber ones and they'd be in one position. And I have three of them I have Big John stud I have Hogan, and I have Hillbilly Jim. <laughs>
0: what a cast of characters. I don't know why those are the three I have, but those are the three I do have. Yeah. What did, did Hillbilly Jim ever like win anything, like win any, any championships or have any notable feuds? Not that I can remember.
1: I don't think he won a championship, maybe the Intercontinental, but I doubt it. Mm. Uh, he, he was he was one of Hogan's boys, so, I mean, he was going right. to be there no matter what. Right,
0: but not on Hogan's level, but he'll be there. Obviously, he's, a, he's at Brutus' level. Oh, yikes. Uh, <laughs> but Jim's out here looking pretty jacked, to be fair. I mean, he's the most intimidating-looking dude out of these three. Uh, Hunter Hurst-Helmsley comes out here, of course, Triple H, and he he hates the smell of the feces and the pigs and all that shit because he's still in his uppity uh blue blood character and then the match gets started in the so it's kind of like a um a buried alive match where you you wrestle in the ring but you have to like make your way to the hog pen which is like by the stage area so like I was watching this match I was like okay nothing really fucking matters until they get to the hog pen yeah. so I was kind of tuned out of it I don't know what would you think of the match in general I guess
1: um, as bad as a match as it is, if you look back at it now and kind of just take it for what it is, it's a fun match. It's silly. Yeah. It's dumb. And you look at it like, you know, why would Triple H do something like that? Well, he did something like that, and now he runs WWE. So <laughs> yeah. So
0: I you're saying this you was the key to his success was uh, the hog pen match.
1: I think this was the key to getting his early on mid-card push before mm-hmm. he obviously got hooked up with Shawn Michaels because... You know, you read stories about Vince. If you'll do what he asked you to do, he'll take care of you. So if Vince says, "Hey, we're pushing Henry O'Godwin," which they were,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and we want you to go do this hog pen match and lose, and he lost, and uh, did he right, he did lose to that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, he actually. Oh I'm no, sorry. he, he won. He won. He he did win. That's why. I'm, so we're gonna put you over in this hog pen match, and yeah. you're gonna be drenched in shit and mud and whatever the hell else the pigs are doing in the slop. And he goes, yeah, sure, I'll do it. That kind of got him a little yeah. bit of a like, yeah, okay, this guy's all right. He's new. He's only been here a couple months, and now we can get we can get him over. And they start getting him better matches.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I mean, like you said, this match the con the concept of it is dumb as fuck, but it was kind of physical honestly i mean triple h's back was all cut up and they were ramming each other really hard into like the fence area because it's like a metal fence and then a wooden one around it there triple h got all cut up in the, in the back and they're like doing all these spots on the aisleway floor like i think well so triple h he goes for a pedigree but like uh henry o godwin holds onto the fence and blocks it and stuff like that and there's like a lot of a lot of pretty good drama, like each each guy's trying to throw each other into the hog pen. Like I think at one point, uh, Henry O. Godwin he backdrops Triple H, but uh, but Hunter like lands on top of the fence and then does like an elbow drop off the fence. So this match kind of had shades of brilliance to it, but unfortunately the majority of it was just bullshit in the ring and it didn't really matter. But um, what do you think of Jerry Lawler's Jeff Foxworthy jokes? If, if you remember any of them,
1: I don't remember specifically. But you say Jerry Lawler and joke in the same sentence. so It's, an, it's going to be awful.
0: I liked King like later Attitude Era or Ruthless Aggression Era. But yeah, the mid 90s Lawler is pretty relentlessly awful.
1: It's kind of like what he does now. Like he's still trying to capture that magic he for the short period of mm. time he had with JR and a little bit with Vince. And he's when you listen to him now, it's the same shit that he did back then. Yeah, You know, he's, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still doing Jeff
0: Foxworthy jokes today. <laughs> it's topical. Yeah. You know, is Jeff Foxworthy still alive? I haven't heard of him doing anything in five decades, I don't think.
1: I know he's alive, and I know he has more money than pretty much yeah. I'll ever see in my entire life.
0: He's legitimately, like, one of the most successful comedians of all time, just quietly. Yeah. Uh, that's how you do it, I guess. But um, yeah, he's doing, like... Some, uh, some. You're from Bitters, Arkansas. I didn't like write any down because they were all terrible. But, um, but yeah. So the match happens, and ultimately, uh, Henry O. Godwin gets backdropped into the pen, and that gives Triple H the win, I guess. Uh, and Hunter then he for whatever reason because Hillbilly Jim the ref holds up his hand, but Hunter is like, oh, I will have none of this swine. So he shoves Jim. And then Jim shoves him back right into Henry O. Godwin, who military presses Triple H right into the pig shit. So knocks him or he like throws him back first into the into the pen, like mixing the blood and and the mud and the shit is. (laughs) Oh, God, he had just
1: a recipe for hepatitis right there.
0: Oh, man. Brutal. So ultimately hog. Comes out looking like the winner because, like, well, he's covered in mud, but he's a hog farmer. So that's goes to, you know, whatever. Um, But yeah, it's the crowd didn't seem into it. I I think it deserved more of a reaction than it got. I think it it wasn't as bad as some people say it was, personally.
1: It's a fun match. It's one of those that you look back at fondly and go, I can't believe I paid for this pay per view. It's fun.
0: Oh, if I paid for it, I'd probably be a little pissed, but I didn't. So. Well, I, I was
1: what, I was fourteen when, or thirteen or fourteen when this happened. So I'm just a kid going, "Yeah, get Hog, get him, throw him right. in the mud." And so I, I was like, "I can't believe Triple H won. I hope he throws Triple H in the mud." It wasn't even Triple H back then, and uh, you know, so like as a kid, I could see, you know that they were gearing more towards the kids back then. So you see why they did it. But then, you know, what they evolved into, they had to evolve into a year later. You look back and go, Jesus Christ, they were doing hog pen matches a year ago.
0: <laughs> I mean, they would still do mud matches with the divas. And I feel like they've done just as stupid stuff in more recent oh, yeah. years. So some things don't change. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I was two years old when this happened. So I just <laughs> I just had shit, real shit up and down my back, probably. So you were doing your own hog pen match. Yeah. Yeah. Some may say that. <laughs> uh, but after that, we got Owen Hart versus Diesel. So uh, I, I like this version of Diesel because he's he's I guess a heel kind of sort of he um att- he had a match with Bret Hart at Survivor Series. The previous pay-per-view, he lost that match, lost his WWF title and attacked Bret Hart after the match. But then he cut a promo on Raw like a week or two after and he's like um he's like scolding Vince on ringside. He's like, you turned me into a corporate puppet. He's, he was like, yeah, Survivor Series. That was just the tip of the iceberg. Big Daddy cools back and then he puts on his sunglasses. And uh yeah, I'll hey, hey you fans, I'll slap your hand but only if it's wearing a black glove because he's a truck driver, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. And he had the, no because he used to wear the the black gloves mm, right right yeah uh so a little more of an edge on big d's here what would you think of this this iteration of kevin nash's character
1: i, I loved it because i mean he was sean michael's lackey for a while and then he was uh-huh. the crowd loving you know i'm the giant guy diesel and you bring him around to this era, and you're like you're saying like he's a little more edgy i think it's Kevin Nash's promos always kind of sucked, even though you know he's a legend and he was a, he decent in the ring. Right. But his promos were never the best. But yeah, giving him this little bit of edge and then having such heat coming off of Bret Hart and then going right into Owen Hart, the next pay-per-view, mm-hmm. who Owen Hart, I love Bret Hart, but Owen Hart should have been and would have been a like top guy in that company. He was one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So you're not only getting Owen uh, up over, you're getting diesel over too because now he's kind of he's going against the bad heart the one that nobody likes right the the heel but he's still kind of a heel himself and he's still angry so you're kind of you're working him into what he becomes in wcw
0: yeah yeah for sure there's that it was definitely felt like kevin nash from the nwo speaking like when this version of diesel would cut a promo that's a good point because like some people think Mike skill and charisma are like interchangeable, but that's not the case. Like, I feel like Kevin Nash had charisma, but he wasn't yeah. that good on the mic. And there's some people that like, aren't good on the mic, but have charisma. Um, but yeah, so good stuff here, but Owen Hart versus diesel. It's almost like, like, like it's not even like about the conflict between these two. It's almost like about their individual characters. Cause diesel's doing his thing. He's showing that he doesn't care the match. It's a very quick match. Like diesel hits Owen with a jackknife. Puts his foot on Owen's chest, takes it off before the ref can count three, shoves the ref, the ref DQs him, and then Diesel just gives him another jackknife. So Owen wins by DQ, but um, this really just shows how this Diesel's new attitude, I guess, was the uh, the goal here, and I guess it carried that forward. But uh, Owen Hart is a different story. I guess Shawn Michaels is the, the common thread between these two because Shawn is a friend of Diesel. But Sean also had a match with Owen Hart on Raw a few weeks ago and uh in the middle of the match Sean collapsed. So it was a deal where like Sean was like getting in offense on Owen, he knocked Owen out of the ring and then Sean just like stumbled in the middle of the ring and just collapsed. They had medics come out, they had like Vince and King looking at him. So they, they I don't know if you remember this segment, but uh, Yeah, it, I do
1: actually now you that do? you're bringing it up, I do remember.
0: It it felt very like not new generation. It felt very like it was more of a realistic tone than their normal storylines. Yeah. What, what do you remember about that segment?
1: I, rem- I, I remember I'm trying to think if I've if I've heard the interview, of whether or not that was a work or a shoot, because I know that was right around when Sean took some time off. I'm pretty uh, sure
0: it was a work, but I think it was designed. Yeah. Like you said, to give him time off.
1: Yeah. I know that he I know in interviews he said he was physically and mentally exhausted, and I guess that was their way of just, you know, making him. Oh no, Sean's out. But he sold it so well. Like you know, you're watching that as a kid back when it's it's live, and you're like, oh my mm-hmm. god, what's happening to Sean Michaels? I have to tune, and it was perfect ratings bait too. I have to tune in next week and see what's happening with Sean Michaels. Yeah. So I I do remember it, but I'm I i can not remember this. I've you know I've watched every Sean Michaels DX documentary that there ever was because I was a huge Sean Michaels DX guy. Uh-huh. And I know he's talked about it, but I cannot for the life of me think of what he said as far as the reason. I know it was to give him time off, but like I, I as far as much as of work as it was, I think there was a little bit of shooting there too, because I think he just kinda didn't we couldn't continue the match and he decided to just collapse.
0: Yeah, so this we're still kind of fresh at this point off of him getting attacked in Syracuse by all those sailors or whatever. So I that think was he was. Four, yeah. Yeah. So I think he was still dealing with concussion type stuff. So maybe there was some of that involved as far as like why he, you know, couldn't maybe he wanted to take time off or whatever, but um, so maybe that comes into play a little bit, but whatever it is. Yeah. I I had never <laughs> seen this segment. I'm wa- I watch all the raws leading up to this. So I was just watching it casually. And the, uh, he just collapses in the middle of the ring. I'm like, the fuck what happened here? <laughs> like, 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 you said, I'm watching this in 2022 and I'm still like, God, I gotta watch the next episode. Is, is Sean gonna be alive after this? Yeah, did they? Re- what happened there? So they did a whole thing where, um, and at this point, they're they're still kind of because Sean's not on the show. They did a whole thing on Raw where, um, they interviewed the doctor that looked over Sean, and he was like, "Yes, yeah, Sean, um, I, I don't know if I'd recommend him coming back to the ring ever again." And they're doing all these like they're teasing that Sean might never come back to wrestling ever again they even do like video packages like you know when somebody dies and they show like a really somber video package like they're doing that for sean so it's like it's kind of convincing that this guy might never come back (laughs) to wrestle it's actually some good shit here um which makes because i guess sean sean it's the next wrestlemania i believe where he wins the title from brett uh 12 right is it 12 yeah 12 yeah i think so um so it, with that all all that in mind, if the boyhood dream comes true, shit, like we all f- have seen that clip, but with all that context, it's like, wow, that's actually pretty good build to that. So um yeah, good stuff. Yeah, Sean, there's not there's not a lot of bright s- spots in WWF at this <laughs> point in time, but Sean is definitely one of them. So oh yeah. Um but yeah, so uh but after that match, they cut to <laughs> the uh the superstar line. Do you have Sunny? Oh, God, the superstar <laughs> line. <laughs> did you ever call the superstar line? No, because it was a
1: 900 number, and I wasn't allowed to call 900 numbers as a kid. But oh. my favorite part, because they did this in Your House 4, and I think I made a comment on our episode. It was so – because WCW did it too, 909-9900. I'll never forget that number because we've done so many different WCW pay-per-views. But the best part of the WWE one is that, like, you'll see them in the ring. And they'll go like they're beat up and they lose the match and they're bloody or whatever. And then it's like, call the superstar line. Superstars are standing by. And the guy, like the guy who was just bleeding in the ring is on the phone talking to a fan. And it's like, wait a minute. You if I call right now, I'm gonna get to talk to you know, whoever, Jeff Jarrett, who was just bleeding in the ring, and now he wants to take my phone call?
0: Like, really? The only reason I noted it is because they got Henry O. Godwin and Triple H on the superstar line, and they're sitting there covered in blood. They're covered in mud. They're just, (laughs) yeah. They're not, you know, we can't hear what they're saying, but I can only imagine. (laughs) Like, what the
1: fuck? And they just were in the match, and they're literally sitting right next to each other. He's
0: like, can you tape it down? I'm trying to talk. I'll throw you back in that mud. Sorry. How fucking annoyed would you be if you just got layered in pig shit? You, you come through Gorilla and they're like, hey, well, you got to go talk to these marks on the phone about <laughs> their stupid ass questions.
1: Hey, uh, Kevin from uh, Wisconsin. He's nine. He's on the phone. He wants to ask you about your ponytail, Triple
0: H. <laughs> Do you think he All gives right, his accent at least? Him.
1: Can I take a shower? Can I clean myself off, please, before nope. I take Kevin's phone call? <laughs>
0: they paid five ninety nine <laughs> to call it to talk to your bitch ass, but it, it was ninety
1: nine cents the first minute and then six dollars mm. every additional minute. At least that was WCW. So I'm assuming WWE was the same thing. <laughs>
0: that's I can't wrap my head around like paying for minutes. Like that—that's where my generation. <laughs> we it's had like, to, I, we I had got called a the Okay, we, I had a landline people. growing up, but like <laughs> then I turned six and then we had cell phones. So <laughs> but uh holy shit. So we got Ted DiBiase. Well, we actually we have Savio Vega and Santa. They're uh coming because it's Christmas time. So they're they're you know walking down the aisle, they have sacks of whatever the fuck, handing out gifts all oh, whilst wow. Ted DiBiase's music's playing because Ted is in the middle of the ring. And he's like, uh, hey, "Everybody has a price for the million dollar man, even you, Savio." And Savio gets in the ring, and uh, Santa's behind him. I guess if you were watching this, were you watching? The, you, did you watch this show specifically live? I oh yeah, because the
1: the in your houses were only like fifteen dollars. Like back in the day, the the, right. the top, the big four were like thirty, I think thirty five. These were like fifteen dollars, so. I was allowed to get the big four, but, you know, it was like, oh, because they're every couple months. Once they became $15, you know, I was like, mom, can I get these? They're only 15 bucks. And she's like, OK, yeah. fine. You can get these. So I did watch the first like six or seven in your houses when they first bring it. And I remember watching them going, oh, look, they're getting Santa Claus. That's <laughs> why are they bringing Santa Claus out. That's that's weird.
0: Oh, so you actually because thought I'm... it was Santa is what you're telling I did, you are did,
1: because I just saw him at the mall and I told him what I wanted. Oh. So I didn't know if he was going to give away my present to somebody in uh, Hershey Park. Right.
0: Yeah, he's got a gas-powered dildo in his sack, is what you're telling me. Is he's just gonna give it away for free? Well, I mean, I did get it that year, so he didn't give it away. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. I got a solar-powered one now. They didn't make solar-powered ones back then. Man, technology is something else. We gotta do. You gotta yeah, use it outside, though. Is the thing
1: you know, You gotta charge it outside. You can use it inside.
0: Right. Do your neighbors ask any questions that you have a big phallic object and you're on your deck? They know not to. <laughs> Ever since the accident. <laughs> but, but uh yeah i'm watching this i'm like who i, I knew i know santa's gotta be somebody um you know who I thought, was? yes well I, I, at first i thought it was bob Backlund, just as i was watching it uh but it was not bob Backlund. they don't really say who it is because they do a whole thing where of course santa turns on savio hits him with the the sack you know as ted is talking to him And uh, Santa and Ted scurry to the back as Savio attacks them. Savio knocks Santa's wig and beard off. And I see it, and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? So I (laughs) had to research it. (laughs) Apparently, it was Balls Mahoney, which is a weird little cameo here. I didn't know he did a (laughs) a stint in WWF.
1: They called him Xanta Klaus. It was X-A-N-T-A-K-L-A-U-S.
0: How long do you think they thought of that name?
1: Oh, I'm sure it was like some Vince McMahon coke-filled binge, where he just goes, Santa Claus! And they go, what? And he goes, just send a guy out, dressed as Santa, and call him Santa Claus. I love it. I love it. Just do it. (laughs) 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 Kind of like what
0: Tony Khan does now with everything. (laughs) Goddamn. Yeah, I I couldn't imagine Santa Claus having really um, much heat in, like, July. You know, (laughs) because we're in December, so of course it's topical, but it's like, how much... Can you fuck off God, this well, it's just of like
1: here. I'm recording with Vinny because his gray and white cat jumps up at when we're recording
0: too I'm about to just like let him be in front because he's going to f- meow at the fucking door if I lock him <laughs> out um, but yeah Santa Claus is here and I don't think he lasts too long I, I, read, I read a story where he just got like hammered at a raw taping and was fired pretty much immediately so <laughs> <laughs> it's like classic balls I guess you're going to get your asshole in my drink I'm not gonna be happy with you're
1: all right it's fine. this is why I do I record my show in my garage because my cats don't come out
0: here yeah you need to get me you, you can just lay down right there all right we'll not have we won't have a problem um but yeah so Santa Claus is here but after that we got a casket match the Undertaker versus King Mabel. And uh, so we're fresh off of Mabel crushing Taker's face at a live event. So we got Taker out here with this Phantom of the Opera mask. Pretty cool visual. I don't know. What would you think of this era of Taker and his, his mask deal? Purple Taker was one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. Just the long black hair. Like he
1: he looked creepy. Like I'm, I'm a metal fan. I listen to a lot of metal and, and hardcore, like and bl- Swedish black metal and like that whole look, that long black hair in the face, the sunken-looking mm-hmm. eyes, like, that's just, you know... It's, I always thought that was just the coolest look, and, that, you know, they're doing that now with Judgment Day, the purple and black, but that that was my favorite up until, like, when he uh, became, the, like, the, uh, the corporate ministry, ministry, Undertaker. Yeah. Those are probably my two favorite eras of The Undertaker, and the mask was creepy as hell. As a kid, like, that's just a creepy-looking mask.
0: Yeah, because it had, like wrinkles to it like i don't know like it it looked like a stone like it was like a an addition to his face i don't know it just it it fit him really well it looked really cool um but yeah all due to his orbital (laughs) bone being crushed by mabel's big fat ass (laughs) um but yeah this is just a culmination basically of a storyline of uh mabel took the urn or i guess first comma took the urn melted it down into a necklace. And Sheen, then <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Mabel at some point took it. And uh, it was a Survivor series, I believe. He just he took it because Taker got it back from Kama and that Survivor series, Mabel took it and ran away. Which I mean, I feel like you could run and catch Mabel, but that's yeah, I I, mean, I could run and catch Mabel. <laughs> I can't run. Well, now you could, definitely. You well could. now I definitely could catch him, <laughs> <it>, yeah. <laughs> no chance. Um, he isn't her now, but uh, the match. <laughs> the giant it's like
1: the secondary, and then Undertaker came back with the giant. One.
0: <laughs> but uh, honestly, as far as Mabel matches go, this wasn't bad. I mean, it was it was pretty quick to the point. I thought, um, I don't know what you what you think of this whole deal.
1: Uh, as a rule, I tend to hate most gimmick matches. Um. Mm. Uh, I mean, obviously, with the exception of, like, Steel Cage, Hell in a Cell, like, not got those kind of, like, Buried Alive, Casket Matches, Inferno Matches. Mm. You know, they're good for one-offs, but when you do them too much, because um, I believe this was, was this after the Yokozuna one where he had to build the the personalized giant one that I guess they just used the same one <laughs> yeah. for?
0: Yeah, it was after um,
1: that. Because that was the one they set it on fire, I think. And the that was the one that Undertaker lost. There was one that he lost, and he they set the coffin on fire.
0: So that was Royal Rumble '94 when Undertaker lost, and then Survivor Series '94 they had a rematch where Undertaker won.
1: That's yeah, I knew. It. So that was before. So they just used the same casket again, and you know Undertaker's gonna win. He's injured. All you know, the writing at that time, especially, was so predictable. You know, he's coming off the injury. He's got the mask. He's looking for revenge because of the urn. You knew he wasn't going to lose this match. Even as a kid, you knew he was going to win this match. Uh-huh. And it's Undertaker who can make anybody look good, and he still couldn't look look make Mabel look good.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I feel like the the management knew that, and they, they, that's why they threw so much bullshit at Undertaker. Like in this time period, they King Kong Bundy, IRS. <laughs> like these are all pay per view matches that this guy's having and giant it's like gonzalez. giant gonzalez mabel um and then he was injured for a little bit so he's he just been fucking around for like years it feels like at this point <laughs> and uh i guess i'll mention it now like it's the end of the show undertaker and diesel have a face-off because they're both kind of jockeying for like who should be the number one contender for the title and it's like fine because think like, diesel's kind of in the same boat like diesel's like people shit on his title run but like he was facing maple he was facing um sid he was facing tataka and bam bam big like how much how much chicken salad can you make out of that chicken shit so it's like yeah, finally exactly. these two guys that are both like badasses and have a lot of talent individually now they can face each other so uh, i was i was really glad to see that they have a program together coming up cuz it's like goddamn um the only
1: problem with that promo cuz it was a, it was a good promo you know, having them backstage and uh, with Paul Bear there. The only problem with the promo was the way too long stare down at the end, where they kind of cut the, uh, where it's like they're. Just, I don't back down from anybody. And then they just stared at each other lovingly for like <laughs> a minute, and then they finally went to the the package where they show what happened that you just paid for.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think they kissed it's, when they cut away?
1: Of course they did. Probably. I mean, wouldn't you? It's the Undertaker.
0: I'm assuming Who? you're going to be Kevin Nash in this situation. <laughs> Who would you rather? Kevin Nash or Undertaker?
1: Undertaker. I think he's. I think he would actually take care of you. And he that was might a really quick a answer. I, really? It's not like I've never thought about this. Uh, I feel like Kevin Nash was a little bit into business for himself. I think he's a selfish lover. I'm not going to lie.
0: Oh, so he's not going to. He's not. He's, he's only a receiver. Is what you're telling me.
1: He, he just want he's all about himself. He doesn't care about your feelings or if you get off, he doesn't want to cuddle afterward. I think the Undertaker might want to cuddle a little bit afterward, ask you how it was. Right. Is there anything we can do better next time?
0: Yeah. I mean, at the very least, he's going to give you a standing 69. We of all course, know. he's
1: going to go tombstone time and then it's standing 69. And that's a win, that's a win for everybody.
0: Yeah. So it's really, it's just, the facts are right in front of us. So. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway the match that that happened i think uh the casket match mabel he dominates early with some belly to bellies a couple splashes leg drops but ultimately taker fights back with a choke slam onto mabel amazingly um this is all by the way this is all after like when mabel had undertaker down mo carried undertaker threw him in the casket but then he didn't shut the casket because he was a Big dumb idiot. And he gave Mabel his crown and they were dancing in the middle of the ring. And Mabel like saunters over to the casket, tries to shut the lid. But Taker puts his purple glove out to stop it. And then chokeslam big boot, knocks Mabel into the casket. Then he also Taker, he also chokeslams Moe, rolls him into the casket as well. And uh, Taker takes his urn necklace that was around the neck of Mo. So he takes the urn, stuffs them both in the, in the casket, shuts the lid. So I guess Taker has his magical powers back, I guess, is the story. That... But
1: he he technically shouldn't because they say the urn had the ashes of his parents, his mother, somebody like that. I forget exactly who it was. So when they made the necklace, does each little ring of the, of the chain necklace have a little bit of ashes in it? And what did they do with the ashes? Hmm. Did they scatter them? and if they have if it's just the
0: urn itself why did you need the ashes inside of it right there's a
1: lot of questions this brings up
0: yeah i think you know when kama took the urn and smelted it into this necklace maybe did he preserve all of the ashes did he segregate the ashes into each individual bead of the necklace I if mean, that's the
1: case then i can understand
0: right right I'm trying to think how it ties to godfather here cuz he had necklaces hose there's a tie in somewhere. A, there, we so, just got somebody call in. If you know, uh, <laughs> callers. We... Yeah. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. We had it in post. <laughs> um, but that brings us to the main event. We got uh, the WWF title on the line. We got Bret Hart, the champion versus the British Bulldog accompanied by Diana Hart. I was kind of annoyed with Diana in this match. I don't know about you uh a little too much yeah. Diana for me.
1: Cuz they kept showing her like oh, ah, ah, my brother, my husband, my brother, my husband. Uh-huh. And th- but this is where the 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 wonderful title for this comes cuz Todd Pettengill goes for this family, it's not season's greetings, it's <sighs> season's beatings, god fuck
0: I like Todd Pettengill, but uh um, why? That was clearly a script that he would. the Todd Pettengill, his natural charisma would have come up with better, something better than that. But
1: I don't know. I mean, in New York, when he was on WNEW uh, or whatever he was on, he was not that good. Scott and Todd in the morning. Oh, I forget
0: that he did. <laughs> I heard, did you ever listen to Opie and Anthony? Of course. Yeah, I got I was, an Opie and Anthony sticker right here. You got a wow. St- or what was it? Is it wow? i him out Wednesday. There we go. Right. Wow, what are the odds They <laughs> so you just have a fucking sticker <laughs> Yeah, I listen to them a lot. Um, kind of after the fact. I listen to like on YouTube and stuff. But they they would always shit on Scott and Todd. So that's why. Jock Tobe, man. I could do a whole episode on Jock I still but, um... listen to
1: Open Anti clips. I mean, I don't listen to them now because they split. and they're, I don't, I'm not a fan of Sam and Jim. But mm-hmm. original Open Ante on seven, hell yeah. I listen to that all the time. Yeah. I was late I'll, for class in college once because I was <laughs> listening to them because they were doing the Eileen th- or Irene where she called up and she said her husband died in the shower. I don't know if you ever heard this clip. Look it up. It sounds this familiar. This woman calls and says her husband died in the shower and she was sleeping and they went off on her for like an hour. And I was literally late for <laughs> class listening to this in my car.
0: God, I would listen to them. I was listening to them in college just all the time, just way after the fact too, is hilarious, but. Um, and they actually, they did some stuff with the XFL, you know, tying it to WWE. I don't know if yeah. you, yeah, it was <laughs> kind of a weird crossover, but it was what it is.
1: I mean, I, this is the kind of how me and Vinny base our whole show is, like, not to copy Open Anthony, but, like, that same, like, say the most extreme shit you can and see how much you can get away with. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we do.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, just the, the general, like, style, cool. they're a big influence on me for sure, but... uh not Sam Roberts. Fuck that guy. I hate. I hate. <laughs> Sam <Roberts. laughs> but uh, Sam Roberts isn't here. He's. Uh, are you froze? You're frozen on my screen. Did I lose you?
1: I get I get one or two service interruptions per stream. It's a rule because okay, my Wi-Fi. Go. It, it goes away. It, it happens every stream, and it it goes away because I my where I record. Is across from where my house is, and I'm on Wi Fi, and the signal's really strong, but like once a night it gets interrupted.
0: I think what happened is we bur- besmirched the name of Sam Roberts, and he used his powers to shut our stream down. I think that's what happened. His,
1: his stupid little curly haired powers. I used he to shaved like when they made fun of Sam. Did, did he shave his head?
0: Yeah, yeah, he looks a lot better now. He has a bald head, and a big beard. He actually looks too handsome, but.
1: <laughs> I remember when he was on Opie and Anthony, they would make fun of him. Cause they'd always send them out on assignments, and they go, "Sam, make sure you get your camera. Sam, your camera."
0: Oh <laughs> uh, god, those were the good old days. Those were the oh, good yeah. old days. Um, but speaking of the good old days, we got Bret Hart versus British Bulldog here, a rematch of their 1992 match from SummerSlam and Wembley, which uh, I actually just recently, recently watched that match, and that was uh, that was some good shit. I almost. What, what, which match do you think was better, that match or this match? This was a close second.
1: Um, the 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 ninety two SummerSlam one is one of my top three favorite matches of all time. Um yeah. Do you you know the story behind that match, right? Uh, tell me. British Bulldog smoked crack the night before. Oh no, I did
0: not know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's on one of the documentaries uh, on British Bulldog or Bret Hart or one of the two, and apparently bulldog went up to bret hart before the match and said listen i smoked crack last night i don't remember anything we talked about for this match so bret hart wow. was calling that whole match on the fly
0: no and shit bret-
1: and british bulldog was like completely out of it most of the match and it still was like a nine out of ten
0: of as far as matches go right wow yeah that's insane it's- bret hart could make anything work i'm a- he's oh, a magician yeah. <laughs> especially yeah the he's one period. of my favorites Dude, he's so fucking good. He's like, he's another guy. He's like, he's been feuding with Jerry Lawler. He's been having matches with Hakushi and oh, Isaac Hakushi. Yankum. Like, what the hell? <laughs> we have our, we have the stars here. We have Taker, Diesel, Brett, Sean. But these guys aren't. We got Bam Bam Bigelow in the main event. We got Sid in the main event. We got Mabel in the main event. Like, what are we doing here? But it is what it is. I guess I can't get too mad in hindsight, but... Uh. <laughs> People are today are just yelling about CM Punk and goddamn Roman Reigns. Goddamn, Bret Hart deserves better.
1: He should not have been fighting Hakushi at in your house six <laughs> or whatever he fought him at.
0: Ah, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, the match this this match is great. I mean, it's definitely the one difference between this match and their match at Wembley was the blood in this match. Bret Hart at one point, I think he got like thrown into the steps or something busted open gushing blood which is very weird for this time period because you would never see that i don't know if he got busted open hard way or whatever it is um but i do know that this took place in pennsylvania and a little bit down the road in philly there was a a promotion i don't know if you've heard of it called uh, extreme championship wrestling that was really catching fire at this time period
1: heard of them yeah
0: yeah yeah they're kind of underground thing um do you think ACW had any influence on the blood in this match?
1: Uh, yes and no. Um, I think that what they were doing influenced everybody in wrestling, WCW, mm-hmm. and WWE. But um, I was on Matty Daddy's show, and we were talking about the uh, Roddy Piper Hart match, which is my favorite match of all time. And then if you, uh, we were referenced uh, on our show last week, the Shawn Mike, or the uh, Bret Hart Austin match. And mm-hmm. blood was outlawed in all three of those matches, but Bret Hart, since you know, as opposed to today when people bleed just for the sake of bleeding, Bret wanted to make more of an impact with having blood in the match, and if, uh, he was very good at making sure so he, him or or Austin in that one match, was able to cut themselves open without noticing. But if you watch the WrestleMania eight match, you can, if you know where it happens, you can distinctly see where he bleeds. Mm-hmm. It's uh Piper, and I'm not mean to get off topic here, but yeah. uh, Piper does the crossbody. They fall over the ring, the over the ropes outside of the ring, and Brett said he always kept in his mouth and his gums a little blade with duct tape on it, and he would take it out and he blade, and then he put it in his, his knee pad. In his gums? Yeah, he said he kept it in his gums, but it was just like the tip of the blade was sticking out, so it never cut him. And, I'd be terrified of like swallowing it or some shit. Yeah, some yeah, right? Like get hit hard enough, and it. But um, if you watch the Piper match when they fall over the ropes with the crossbody, you see him wipe his mouth, go across his forehead, and then shove something into his his knee pad. So I'm th- I'm gonna say that he didn't get cut the hard way. I'm gonna say he planned it out because mm-hmm. in all three match or at least the other two, it was his idea to have blood. So I'm gonna say that he did that because it's. Uh, Bret Hart's thinking as being a fan for so long and and watching all the documentaries he's all about the storyline mm-hmm. so I think that him saying somebody should be bleeding kind of makes the story more intense like they're really trying to kill each other yeah and so I would not be surprised if at some point in the match you see him wipe his mouth go across his head and then put something in his knee pad
0: right yeah I mean uh, I mean they did a good job here at like just cutting the bulldog as Heart was probably like under the ring skirt doing the whole thing, but um, but I mean, yeah, with the story at play, I mean, obviously, you know, relatives are brother-in-laws, right? Um, you know, they have Diana out there; it's a pretty personal affair, so I guess you know, it's it's an appropriate occasion for blood to come into play. Um, you know, Bret Hart's a new champion; it's the main event, so it all makes sense, I suppose. But uh. Yeah, I mean, this match is really good. I mean, there's a lot of... Because uh, the rest of the show has been a lot of whatever the fuck, but this, 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 like I said, this match pretty much saved the show. Um, You got, like, superplexes. You got one spot where Bulldog... Or Brett goes for a superplex, but Bulldog, like, chucks Brett onto the ropes, like, crotching him. But he doesn't, like, just fall on the ropes. Bulldog fucking tosses him. And, like, Bret Hart just, like, lays everything in. That's just why he's so good. He just... It goes balls to the wall with everything. Um, there's and then Brett gets split open on the steps, and then there's a he's hardcore chant. And there's been like ECW chants all throughout the show, so it's like, of course. Um, there's like signs too, there's like Mikey Whipwreck signs and Sandman's
1: whipwreck. <laughs>
0: it's like, of all people, um, Bulldog gets a pile driver at one point for a two count. And uh, Vince McMahon was cracking me up because he was like, yeah, keep the camera wide. We don't want to see that blood, which I don't know if that was like him being for real or if that's just like playing into it. But that was probably him yelling at the producers, but didn't think his mic was on. Like he thought he
1: switched <laughs> channels over yeah. to the producer channels. like, keep the camera wide. I don't want to see the blood. Oh, look what's going <laughs> on. Because he had that like and that was the air when he had that high pitch, like announcer
0: voice with, oh, my God, one, two, three, he kicked out, it's unbelievable i ask you one question. Is Vince McMahon the worst commentator of all time? No. <laughs> okay. Who is? Uh, are we talking uh, full-time
1: or like guest commentator? Because Macho Man is probably the worst commentator of all <laughs>
0: Excuse time. Excuse me? I'm a, no, I'm
1: a diehard Macho Man fan. Macho but, Man uh, was great on commentary.
0: You're out of your are mind. You kidding?
1: WrestleMania 9. You're going to tell me WrestleMania 9. Were, okay, I haven't I, watched I think that. I did, we did a count when we covered WrestleMania 9. I think it's twenty-seven times he goes, Oh yeah, WrestleMania nine. Like he just keeps saying he was not a good commentator. But the worst commentator of all time, uh, was this guy, he was a King of the Ring 94, I wanna say. It was Gorilla Monsoon, Macho Man, and uh Art, Art Donovan uh, Art Donovan. Yeah, yeah. And he just kept saying, How much you gonna think this guy weighs? <laughs> and they just at one point just
0: ignored him. Well, Oh, uh, who's this fella in the red, white, and blue? Well, Art, that's Lex Luger, the guy that we're positioning to the top of the company. He, oh, it's like, yeah. how much you think
1: that guy weighs? That Yokozuna guy? He's really big. You think he weighs like two hundred pounds?
0: <laughs> and IRS would come out. And he's like, oh, this guy looks like a businessman more than a wrestler. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the it's the gimmick art.
1: <laughs> that he was the worst commentator of all time. Vince is up there, though. Vince is, is pretty bad.
0: As far as, like, full time, I think Vince is one of, one of the worst. Macho Man, I, I think 94, he got better. Because I've heard him more so in, like, later 94, like, right before he left for WCW. And he was... I don't know if he's good. Maybe good's not the word. But he was entertaining to listen to, maybe. He was getting better when he was doing it weekly on
1: Raw. But Rob Bartlett was no better. Rob Bartlett, you remember the mm. original... Uh, Rob announcer with Macho Man and Vince.
0: I'm not familiar with Rob Bartlett. Maybe that's for the best. He
1: he was a, a radio DJ. I think he was with, involved with Stern, Howard Stern. And when Raw first premiered, it was Vince, Macho Man, and Rob Bartlett. Mm. And Rob Bartlett was pretty bad too.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. But Vince is, <laughs> yeah, like you said, definitely up better. There. He's uh, just, yeah. Um, but the match continues on Bulldog with a, a top rope headbutt to the ass of Bret Hart, which is a uh, a bold move. Cotton, let's see how that plays out for him. <laughs> uh, bulldog, you know, he has control, but then Brett fights back, tries to lock in the sharpshooter, but uh, Bulldog fights out of it. Hits a bridging German suplex for a two count. It's like, there's a lot of stuff that you don't really see in this time period. Uh, Brett hits a plancha to the outside goes for a second one but brett uh bulldog catches him hits a power slam on the outside so it's like like the first half of this match it felt like bulldog was just like headlocking brett to, for like 20 minutes and i was like god this match fucking sucks but then it like like really i going uh brett i smoke crack again um,
1: <laughs> he hasn't <what>? learned
0: <laughs> three years later why, he why would you do that <laughs> uh got me again uh, but yeah, so pretty intense brawl here fighting on the outside. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Brett hits a superplex on the inside and, uh, gets a two count Then the two trade roll ups, but Brett's able to get the advantage with a maestro cradle, gets the win out of nowhere. Kind of similar to the Wembley match where uh bulldog got just a quick counter kind of cr- cradle roll up victory here. So similar situation here with Brett, but Brett gets the win here, retains the title, and uh, sets up Brett versus Taker at Royal Rumble, which sounds like spicy hot fire to me. So, yeah, good stuff, I thought.
1: Yeah. And then they had two dark matches after the fact, which I never understood on all these In Your House shows, that was after the pay-per-view dark matches.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> I remember I didn't note what the dark match was. Do you have it on hand by any chance?
1: I do. It was Goldust and Duke the Dumpster Drosy, Ugh. which I have a picture of at a house show in New Jersey. I have a picture of him holding up his trash can. He's got a big bead of sweat under his arm. Mm. Um, and then it was Barry Horowitz, Hakushi, and the Smoking Guns versus
0: Yokozuna, Isaac Yankum, and the Body Donnas, Zip and Skip. <laughs> this is how you close the show. This is how you you send the folks home happy and Hershey with Skip. They,
1: yeah, you, you end the pay-per-view on a high note and then you go, shit, you guys were supposed to be on the card. All right, you guys just go out and wrestle now because <laughs> everybody's leaving, so you just go out there now.
0: It's like when comedians have like the check spot when everybody's like paying their checks and walking yeah. out like that's what they were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, yikes. It's actually a lot of talented people in that list you just listened to me, but at the time they were just schlubs, I guess, but um. But ultimately, the show comes to the end. Like we mentioned, the whole interaction with Undertaker and Diesel. Uh, Diesel, because Undertaker, and it, it was mentioned on commentary during the main event that Taker was going to have was gonna be the number one contender at Royal Rumble. And that the winner of the title match is going to face Taker. So it's going to be Brett versus Taker. But then they cut to an interview with, uh, I think it's Todd Pettengill, maybe, with uh, Undertaker. And uh, Paul Bearer, of course, is there diesel interrupts it and he's like yeah i deserve to be in the title match Yo, people keep dodging me and taker's like i don't dodge anybody and then they have a little face off there and like i said it was that was a cool moment because that seems like a big time match especially for the era when it's just a bunch of shit that seems like two diamonds in the rough facing each other so um but yeah good stuff there uh yeah any other and that brings in your house five to a close any other anything we missed any other thoughts on the show
1: Um, no, uh, I think you, (laughs) you covered most of it. Um, the only thing that's funny to watch now is just where everyone in that card ended up later on. It's it's just funny to see that it's like, Oh, this guy in the hog pen match. Oh, wow. He controls WWE. Like if you had (laughs) to show that to a little kid now, or like if, if you took somebody from 1995 and they had a time machine and came to 2022 and you had to show them that. And be like hey, see that guy right there who just won the hog tag? He runs WWE now. <laughs> and see see the guy in the mask that's fighting the fat guy in the in the the casket match? That guy has become the greatest wrestler. He of just all retired
0: time. a year ago. <laughs>
1: yeah, just retired a year ago and he's considered one of the greatest talents of all time. Um British Bulldog, he got hurt because he got backdropped onto a trap door mm. for the ultimate warrior in WCW. Then he died. And then his, his brother fell, you know, his brother-in-law fell from the rafters. And then Bret Hart got kicked by this guy, Goldberg. You'll hear about him. <laughs> he got kicked by Goldberg and his, and then he fell off a bicycle having a stroke. So he can't wrestle anymore. And they're like, Jesus, what? These guys? I really? And yeah. then I'm like, Goldust, that guy right there, his brother his half brother becomes one of the biggest stars in the world. <laughs> his, his brother, who's like eight years old at the time, yeah. his eight year old brother becomes one of the biggest stars in history.
0: They, they actually, they showed, I watched somewhat recently, uh, slamboree 1995. And they did a whole like ceremony there. They, they gave dusty Rhodes some plaque and you have dumbass little Cody just standing there with a stupid face just in the background. <laughs> it's like, wow, what an Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah man that was a uh yeah weird show had some weird moments but i think the main event you know ultimately gave gave the show an average grade for me um some good wrestling in here you know not not enough face locks not a lot not enough front face locks for me but speaking of which
1: i like what you just did there
0: yeah, it was kind of. I'm known for my smooth transitions. Uh, but yeah, man. Once again, thanks once again for uh, checking out the show again, coming on, discussing it. Where can everybody find you guys in the Front Face Lock Podcast? Uh,
1: you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Front Face Lock Podcast, TikTok at Front Face Lock Podcast. We do TikToks. Um, Ooh. it's it's usually just the same picture I post on Twitter, but and the same music. Yeah. And if I get drunk enough, I'll do it like a, a two second video of me saying something (laughs) um uh twitter it's at front face lock um anchor.fm slash front face lock podcast or anywhere else you can find a podcast and uh i'm glad i was finally able to come on your show i know we've been talking about this for a while and i couldn't do it the other day but uh glad i was finally able to come on because you know you do good shit man i like i love it i love the review shows and the the old school wrestling stuff
0: i appreciate it man yeah yeah, i appreciate i love yours you guys show too and we'll definitely do this again sometime but uh i'll 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 let you get off we're just in time for rampage i'll i'll let you uh go settle in and check out that that goodness oh
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna be wide-eyed and bushy-tailed for that uh rampage show starting off with the six-man tag with no intros what they do every week (laughs) I, i forget do you do you like aew uh
0: it's my favorite promotion in the world Once again, thank you to Rye Guy from the Front Face Lock podcast for joining me on this episode today. Great, great time with Ryan. It was tons of fun talking about I mean, how could it not be talking about this era of wrestling? So go check out the Front Face Lock podcast. Once again, wherever you listen to podcasts on YouTube, all their info in the description below. Follow them on all the socials. Follow my socials. Follow my socials, why don't you? Go review the podcast, rate it, subscribe, put a thumb up my ass, call me a little bitch, slap my mother, stick your fingers in my belly button and call me Bertha. Do all of those things in that order. And then we'll be just dandy, won't we? I think that's about all I got for you guys today. Do I need to talk like this more? How does this sound when my mouth is right on the microphone? (laughs) See, this is what you get for making it through the whole episode. You get to the beginning. It's Kyle Bird, but at the end, it's nails, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) It's a deep cut, by the way. Uh, But yeah, that's all I got for you guys today. God bless you all. Hail Satan, praise Allah, all you know, whoever's listening. And uh yeah, have a blessed evening or morning or afternoon. Um that was a weird order of times of days, but go fuck yourself. Um why are you still here? <laughs> thank you, no Thank you guys once again for listening. Love you all. Tiny little smooches all around. I'm hard. started.